0: Well, welcome to Podcast Tips with Rob Greenley. I'm Rob Greenley, and this is this is a live show, and and I love doing live shows. So I appreciate you being here and joining me in episode ten for me tonight. So um, please stay with us. Uh, we love your comments. Please jump in and give us some of your thoughts and any ideas that you want to share with us as well. And we will um, do the best we can to um, get it discussed on the show as well. If, if you have a comment or, or a question specifically for our guest, that would be fantastic because we do have a, an amazing guest on the show that can maybe give us some podcast tips, which is kind of the namesake of this show. So uh, we, we have uh, Mr. John Miles, who's the host of Passion Struck podcast. With us, and uh, he's in the trenches uh right now of keeping a show going and growing it and doing all the things that uh, you actually have to do to build a successful uh podcast and he's also playing around on the video side as well and and he's also growing a a community and a movement around what what he's doing too and and hopefully we can get him to talk about those issues as well. But really, the, the episode tonight is really focused on the basics of podcasting and and what we all need to do if we want to be, be successful podcasters. Now, granted, each one of us kind of has unique skills and abilities that we can bring bring to our audience and the medium of podcasting. And it's just a matter of really getting clear on what those are and what your opportunity is. And, um, and it, it, we're also going to talk about the The tools that we're using are, you know, I'm using as well as John, to to do podcasting today, and and how that's kind of kind of an evolving landscape. Uh, so I wanted to also I'll say that we have a growing community here or, uh, around this show, and I, I want to thank you for for joining me here. And I wanted to mention too, um, we also always do a giveaway at the end of this show where we give away some StreamYard merchandise, um, and it's Going to be a StreamYard mug, as well as a um, as a hoodie, which I think I've been kind of giving that one away quite a bit lately because you know everybody wants a good cup of coffee. Um, so a mug is a great, you know, present from from StreamYard as well as a hoodie sweatshirt to keep you warm during the during the winter here. So just if you want to enter the drawing at the end of the show, just type into the comment field in your favorite kind of viewing platform that you're using and type the, the, the words hashtag the yard and and the ticker right below the screen here is it kind of gives you those instructions. So if you don't know about that, that's an important thing to actually do to, uh, to qualify for the um, giveaway. So, and we'll pull Pull the cord of sorts and draw a drawing right on the screen. So if you haven't seen this before, uh, oh, yeah, and I see the, the submissions coming in right now. Um, so I certainly appreciate that, and you can see it on the screen there. But uh, let's go ahead and bring John up to the stage, and let me get uh, get a different setting here, and then I can add him to the stage here. John, welcome to Podcast Tips.
1: Hey, Rob, always great to see you and uh, such an honor to get to serve your community.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much. And and I, I I really, you know, kind of enjoy talking to you because you're kind of out there building a successful show. And I think it's, it, it's a terrific uh, example, I think, for a lot of people to take a look at and learn from. And I know that you're all about trying to um, tr- trying to help others and and things like that. So I figured it, it, it was a terrific kind of a tie-in between us here, on this. Um, but but John is here to answer any any of your questions too. You know he's built a, a successful show. So let me bring up um, on on the uh, stage here um, his his kind of podcast show that he has, and and I can kind of share this on the screen here and, and, uh, scroll up and down, but he has a terrific, uh, website that he has built. And I think it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, and John, uh, tell us what uh, you think about this too, how important a website is to your success of your podcast. Um, but you know, it's a full featured show, you know, or, or, right up front. It's got a, got a link to be able to listen to his latest episode. It talks about his credibility of who he is also to sign up for things that he's doing that will connect um, with his audience as well. But John, why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts around the purpose of the website and, and what you use it for and how it works for your, your community.
1: Yeah, I think a thing that, some podcasters do incorrect is they think that their podcast hosting platform sh- is the key element of the show mm-hmm. and, w- and where they're putting the majority of their content. And what I have done is uh, I've followed more than minimalistic rule. And yeah. I actually learned that from our mutual friend, Jordan Harbinger, oh, where, yes. where I put just a tiny bit of information in the show link on the actual podcast host. And then I put a link to the, to the more expanded show notes, which I put into uh, the website. And so I try to make the website, uh, the central aspect for all things, the podcast. So that's where you're going to get more of the resources, more of the in-depth knowledge about the show. And for me, what I found it helps me do is to get better SEO um, because I can play around with it a lot more. In using my tools here than I can in the in the podcast, and I get yeah. the advantage of having both downloads on the podcast, and I get clicks on the website.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, you know trying to leverage your your website into your your mix and being able to deliver more information to your your listeners um, is is very valuable very valuable because the metadata within the description of the podcast uh, episode in a lot of these platforms is not very robust. It doesn't really have a lot of uh, space or capacity where you can do a lot more if you have, a, if you control the space, right. It's just a matter of getting people over there. Right.
1: Right. E- exactly. And, but I, I like to curate it that way. And I think it's a great reference because even when I'm sending the episode out, I reference the website link, and I instead of using the Apple link or the Spotify link in most cases, because I want to give the consumer of the content uh, the ability to choose what player they want, or if they want to watch it in a video form, I always embed the YouTube videos in it as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a powerful way of doing it, and then and I also wanted to show. A little bit of the the YouTube stuff that you're doing too, because I I see that you have um, here. Let me pull that up here so people can see that. So you do have um, like a YouTube presence out there as well that um, is is part of your overall kind of reach to your your community and so what kind of a role so i see that this is this is primarily a clips experience um but do you post full episodes up ever or what's your strategy around that
1: i have i have three main channels i have john r miles which i post all the the long form episodes Mm -hmm. Um, most of my shorts i use the clips channel to to parse off Anywhere from a three to an eight-minute uh, section of the interview that goes up on this, because I find that some people like the long-form content, some people like the harder-hitting, shorter topics. So I try to pick something that might be uh, catchy and will make them watch the short and then go to the longer one. And then my other Eclipse channel is for my own solo episodes.
0: Got it. Uh, but cool. but
1: the main. Yeah, the main two are John R. Miles and this Passion Star Clips.
0: Yeah, I think I've got a link to your other one as well, and I'll share that one here too. So that one has a a video that starts playing right at the top of the fold of the page that I I see. But this is more branded. uh, It's like your personal channel, right? Is that what this one is more?
1: Well, I started off that way because as I was looking at what other podcasters were doing, that's what uh, seemed to be the general direction that people were going. So if I look at Jay Shetty, he has a Jay Shetty YouTube site. If I look at Lewis Howes, he does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Kathy Heller does the same thing. Joe Rogan, um, I, I believe does the same thing. Tom Billieu doesn't call it impact theory. He calls it Tom Billieu as well. Yeah. So I kind of went down that route and then did the clips angle to capture more of the passion struck name, so that I could capture people who were either searching for me by my name or through passion struck.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I, I kind of wrestle with the same thing with my own channel. Um, is it, do I want to create a separate channel just for each show that I do? And I know that this is a question that I, I ask almost every guest that I have on this show is what their, what their strategy is. Cause I, I hear conflicting things. It's like, should you create a specific YouTube channel just for your, your show? And then your personal, like under your name needs to be a separate thing. Um, you know, and it sounds like you've chosen and it sounds like others have chosen kind of, kind of a dual, dual strategy here, but you are kind of splitting your subscribers, but maybe, maybe subscribers isn't as important as it used to be. Maybe, I don't know what you think about that. (laughs)
1: Well, I I'll tell you, it's been a lot easier for me to get subscribers of the podcast than it has been for the YouTube channel. So, oh, I think some of these oh, folks who, what, for
0: uh, yourself personally, you mean, is that what you're saying? For
1: myself personally, I think some of these folks got into the game early on YouTube, where you could accumulate followers a lot uh, quicker. Um, I I have found that to be more of a challenge. But yeah, oh, okay. you know, it, it continues to grow. I mean, I I have a pretty sizable amount, 107,000 here and 144,000 on the other channel and another 10,000 on on the third channel. Yeah. So it's still uh, pretty sizable numbers.
0: Oh yeah, I think you do have a, a a terrific following over here. And so it's just a matter of I guess just kind of figuring out what the right thing to do is with the algorithms, right? <laughs> so that's always the the challenge that all of us have with this stuff. Um but here, let me pull pull you back here, and and we can just talk talk a little bit deeper on this. And I and I'm sure that we're going to be getting some questions coming in too. But the whole thing of of um, you know to sp- you know splitting your efforts up over audio because I know that you're primarily an audio podcaster, I and that's a big area too. And you're an Apple podcast you know, with your show. I have a link to that in here too. But um, um, so how do you kind of, I mean, are you getting most of your audience? I, w- I would imagine you probably are from just the audio side.
1: I get it from the audio. I get it from social media, um, host, yeah. which I do heavily. I, and I think you get it a lot from the guests that you bring on and for them sending it out to their tribes as well. So I think I get it from multiple spots and our show is listening in 169 countries a month. So uh, we get um, a lot of views globally. And sometimes it surprised me, surprises me how someone in Antigua finds out about the podcast and why we're number five podcast in Antigua. But uh, it's, You'll it's a take good it, problem right? to have. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'll take it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think it's amazing how this this medium has grown to be such a, a global Um, presence, you know, and I think that's going to put, uh, I think over time it's going to put pressure on all of us to maybe try and take our shows out to be multilingual. Um, and I know that there's platforms that are able to do that now, um, where you can have a version of your show in other languages. Um, you know, it's not going to be you because, unless you speak all those languages, it's going to be hard to actually produce content like that. But, um, but, but it might be able to be converted. Have you ever considered doing that or, or doing anything like that, John?
1: Yeah, I, I have considered it. I I have, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm considering. I I guess the thing that I always try to do is for me, the podcast isn't a tangential element of the, the business. It's the main thing. So I try to keep it the main thing and I'm very careful about what I put my attention on and if it's going to distract me from that, that main thing. You know, I have considered doing more videos and I'm, I'm completely prepared for that at any time that uh, everything shifts that way. I have just found that most people are still consuming especially podcasts through audio and they're not making the leap to video, which is why I haven't, um, I could easily put them up there in my podcast host. I've just decided not to do it for now.
0: Yeah. Are you, you were recording video, full video with each of your guests, um, just so you can have that face to face experience primarily. Uh, and are you storing those, those videos if you are and, yeah Because if you're doing clips uh, you must be capturing them that's what I'm saying
1: yeah i mean it's it's one of the biggest mistakes i I think you can make. I remember I had hired a podcast coach coach when I was starting out mm-hmm. and he actually uh, encouraged me not to do YouTube from the get-go and I'm so glad I did because it becomes the major uh, way that you're you end up being able to share this socially i mean people love short form video. And so yeah. it's absolutely essential. I, I won't do an episode if it's not filmed live. And I am also trying to move more and more to doing live in-person interviews, which is becoming uh, more available to me as the show is increasing and people are willing to travel uh, to get the opportunity to be on the show. I and mean, we're, we're at a point now, Rob, I'm I'm really proud of this, that I just had a New York times bestselling author come to me and they were able to track that from being on my show. She sold 3,800 books. Wow. That's, um, that's, so that's
0: some serious impact.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you think, I wish, I wish I was selling that many on my own book launch. You're right.
0: <laughs> well, maybe you keep going. Uh, so how long have you actually been doing, um, your passion struck show, John?
1: Yeah, do you want me to give some background so yeah, people have a better let's, idea?
0: Let's, let's let us let us do that. I know I kind of jumped in because I know on on YouTube people like to get into it right away, so that's that's what I like to do. But yeah, yeah, I mean, just let, so let, the audience know
1: knows, yeah, just so the audience knows a little bit more about me. I started the podcast February of
0: 2021,
1: mm-hmm. and um, right now, uh, o- almost three years in, we are are over 25 million downloads. 30,000 five-star ratings on Apple podcast alone. And, you know, we're averaging now over a hundred thousand downloads per episode. So it's come a long way in a, in a short period of time.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because these days, not everybody does. (laughs) It's kind of a top secret thing for many in the industry, but there's also many in the the industry um, that are pushing back on that. I don't know if you've heard about this new initiative in the industry called the OP three. Um, but it's this initiative to people should just be open and transparent with all the things that they're, they're doing with their show. Not unlike what, um, many YouTubers have, you know, all their, you know, plays and all that stuff are public information. And there's been a lot of debate in the industry about that, uh, concept about how transparent, uh, the industry is around size of shows. And I, I know that there's a good side and a bad side to that, depending on where you're coming from. If you're just starting out, you know, sharing your numbers isn't going to look very impressive. But if you've got big numbers, then it looks impressive, right? So, so, and I yeah. know early, it, it, early podcasters haven't wanted to really share those numbers. But what's your thought on that?
1: I mean, it is a little bit more difficult uh, when you're just starting out. But I mean, let's face it. Um, I mean, a concept I like to talk about is, are you going to live in the gap or the gain that the the gap is when you're constantly trying to compare yourself to someone else. It would be like me trying to compare myself to you, Rob, and the fact that you've been doing this for, you know, three, four times longer, if not more than I have. And to think that I'm going to have the expertise that you have um, is just a a recipe for failure. It's the same thing. (laughs) If I'm trying to compare myself to, to Joe Rogan or, Uh, Jordan Harbinger, you know, other people who've gotten into this such a long time ago, or even Jay Shetty, who's a few years ahead of me, I'm constantly going to be disappointed. So I think it's more important that you look at the gains and what's the progression that you're making. And one of the things I'm most proud of is that since we started uh, the show, um, I've never had a month, knock on wood, that uh, we have not uh, done more downloads than the previous month, and to me, that's something I'm I'm very proud of because it tells me that the show continues to grow month over month, and we're bringing new people into the community.
0: Yeah, and it also means that you're you're able to um, you know keep improving because because I think growing is a sign of improvement, um, and it's also a sign of of um, you know that you're you're hitting your mark right. You're hitting where you're your audience, um, is, is looking, um, and, and wanting from you. And, and, and I think it's a real testament to you. And I've, I've, I think it's, it's not an easy thing to achieve. And I mean, I mean, if you wanted to share a little bit about how you think about, you know, your episode, um, strategies, um, as you, you know, look out, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or two, do you strategize about who that guest is and how that, Uh, maybe has value to who you see as your audience
1: yeah so i'm going to touch on that rob but i want to just touch on one thing that you you brought up earlier and that is should people be sharing their numbers or not um one of the things that i think is happening across the the podcast realm right now is people are inflating their numbers (sighs) um, significantly i recently was trying to get um, a pretty big name onto my show. He's a New York Times repeat best-selling author, um, probably one of the most coveted people you could you could want. And he goes, um, I'm not going to come onto your show because I'm only doing shows that can guarantee me 100,000 downloads. And I started going through some of the shows that he had been on. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm telling you right now, they are not doing that many downloads because mm-hmm. I am doing well over a million downloads more per month than they are, and I wasn't hitting those numbers so right. there there there's it's i mean if you do the back math on it, there's no way it they're even doing it, and I'm not going to go to a person personally and tell them I've got too much honor that I can do something that I don't know if I can do or not. I mean mm-hmm. some episodes perform extremely well, some don't, and you really only have so much control over that what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah i'm i mean i think that there is an argument to be made and i know and i argue about it on my other show my my new media show with my co-host todd who runs blueberry um is is around the transparency stuff i try and i try and got i tried to get him to embrace the op3 standard which i know that james cridlin from pod news is advocating for it. He's, he's transparent with all of his pod news weekly podcasts that he's doing and, and helping, you know, people see, you know, making this connection between a type of program or a quality of program and its performance. And I think it's, it definitely, um, creates a different atmosphere, um, around, um, your community also knowing it's like with this show, I mean, everybody that is walking watching this show can see what the, what the numbers are eventually of, of how many people have watched this. You know, it's, it's usually in the, you know, sub thousand range, but, but I, I have this attitude about audience that, you know, if you've got a couple hundred people, you know, and you're hitting fantastic numbers. Um, but if you're hitting a couple hundred people, you shouldn't feel like you're a failure for that. I mean, those are people that if you do a good show, will tell other people about your show and, and you, there's a great possibility of growing, but how many times do any of us be able to speak in front of hundred, 200 people at a time? I mean, it's, it's, it's a responsibility and it's also an opportunity too. And, and I think you're a, a great example because, because when you started, you know, back, back a few years ago, um, I'm sure you started humbly like, any other podcaster does, and so what's your thoughts on on how you started versus where you are now, and would you feel that strongly about being transparent in the early days of your show, or were you
1: Well, I think what was difficult for me was it it's kind of the chicken and the egg, meaning a a lot of the guests that you want to have on unless they're really willing to to make take a chance on you. They want to have at least some threshold. I, I know when I talk to Seth Godin, he won't even go on a podcast that doesn't have some minimum level of episodes that he has established. And his reason for doing that is so many people have started and then they stop. And he wants to go and be on shows where the people have made it their, their profession and that they're continuing uh, to, to have high performing, consistent episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, But when when I started, uh, one of the reasons I decided to hire a coach when I was doing it is because I wanted to have the mindset and really understand going into it, what was it going to take to produce a good show week in and week out? And was I really mentally there that Mm -hmm. I was going to put the effort in? Because if you're one foot in, one foot out. In any way, I, I guarantee you, your show is not going to do extremely well. The other thing that I did that I don't think a lot of people um, see the value in is I have done every single aspect of creating these podcasts, from producing them myself to editing them myself, to doing the video editing. To, I mean, I still very frequently edit my own episodes. And a lot of people say, you know, you're crazy. Why don't you have a, your producer do it or someone like that? Well, I have found so much value by editing it because I see the way I'm asking questions and how I can improve. Mm-hmm. I hear the answers I'm giving, and it's kind of like going to Toastmasters and you get better at eliminating filler words and other things that you would have used. So I think it's been that constant trying to level up where I'm at that, uh, has mm. also helped to make the show a better show overall. But in the early days, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The numbers were pretty disheartening and I have to give, uh, Susan Kane, uh, the author a lot of credit for coming on my show when I was still like you did when I was still, uh, kind of a baby show. And I really think you get some marquee person like that and it really sends out a message that uh, other people uh, resonate with. And I I think you just start collecting those types of, of, of guests along the way. But um, I think a mistake some people make is they try to get these big names Mm -hmm. and a big name. What I have found after I'm on episode 396 now is that it doesn't generally, it doesn't necessarily equate that you're going to have more views or more listens. I have had what I call everyday heroes on the show whose episodes have done far better than, you know, A-listers. And so to me, I try to balance it between staying true to the message and the people I'm trying to help in my audience, and then bringing people on who are A-listers who I think are going to support the audience. I don't ever bring anyone on just because of their name recognition. Um, Cause I think it's a mistake because I think people come to the show because they're looking to hear certain guidance and they know the lens in which we do our show.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's a key takeaway. I've heard other um, hosts say that too, that um, just because you have a big name, see one of the dynamics and I'm sure you've seen this too yourself is that if you get big names on, they've been on a bunch of other big shows and, and they've got all, you know, a lot of them, you know, said the same thing on five other shows. Right. So, you know, the, there is a little bit of a diminishing return, I think to some degree with s- some of these folks on, on your show, especially uh, around promoting um, the interview that they did, you know, like on your show or one or any of the shows that they did um, because they don't want to be, too repetitive to their own community right around topics. I I've had it happen to me too, where I've done like maybe five or six, you know, interviews a week or something like that. And everybody wanted to talk to me about podcasting and, and it it, it does get a little bit repetitive. If you're going to share to your community, um, five different shows, uh, while I'm also doing a show, um, or multiple shows, which is kind of like what I do now. So, right. I think that there's a danger of overexposure and I think that's kind of what comes into play sometimes with these folks and they kind of back off and don't promote you. So did have you had these, some of these big guys um, just not promote the interview with you, that kind of thing in the past?
1: Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that is a fact that that is a, (laughs) that is a hundred percent fact that I think the bigger they are, the less I see them promote it and you, you get a heck of a lot, more impact, I find with a person who's got maybe a smaller community, but a very close-knit community uh, where they do share it and then you get a big bump. Yeah, And I think people misunderstand the importance of those bumps because it's just like I always try to tell people, um, if you impact one person, you are changing a life. And through that, you don't know how many people they're going to tell about the help that you provided. And I think the same thing goes with these communities and getting discovered. Um, yeah. I, I have an a lister coming up on the show next week. Uh, She's in television and et cetera. And the other thing for interviews like that is you have to sign all kinds of disclaimers and they had to review and approve everything I put out, including what photographed I, I use I can't use their name like on your show, Rob, uh, for instance. And so you're right. There is some downfalls. I, I do have to agree with April Roga, though, that um, my, my daughter goes to University of Florida. So I would like Tim Tebow on my podcast as well. That would be great. <laughs> and my, yeah. my fiance went there as well. So I, I've got two people who can fight for me to get him
0: Yeah, a, there you go. Put in a good word for you, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there, there's always exceptions to all this too. I mean, sometimes you'll come across the, you know, a celebrity that will, that will, you know, just have that kind of relationship with their community or their audience where they, they they will just give everything right. And, and share and do all those things. And those are the folks that you're looking for, but it's also the folks that actually have, have a, have a real impact too. um, and you know, that also aligns with you too, I would think.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, no matter who the guest is, one of the things that I would recommend for people who are um, listening to this is if you're on Instagram or wherever you're at tag the heck out of every guest that you have, regardless of how big or how small they are. And I always use the contributor um, function because I am constantly trying to get people to drop anything that says passion struck on it on their social media platform. So I always go for it. Maybe I have a, a hit rate of 10%, but, uh, I've had astronauts share. I've had admirals and generals share the, the episodes I've had, you know, some big names share it. So you just never know, but you've got a much better shot if you're putting it there, that they're seeing it that in that moment, uh, if they like the content, and they show it whether it's in a story or a reel or a, a quote post that you do for them. I, I think you get a ton of social credit for that, and it can't be misunder mis. Under, mis- uh, it can't be underestimated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can Yeah, I can see that April wants to wants to join you <laughs> <laughs> when you catch catch uh, Taibo. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, so what do you, uh, well, let me back up and ask you another question that's more, more to do. And I think, um, April alluded to this earlier too, in her comment too, around your mission. So when you started down this path, you kind of evolved into having kind of a mission and a purpose, uh, for your show. And that's, that's much bigger than just the show itself. Um, why don't you share a little bit of that and how, how important is that?
1: I mean, for me, it's everything. When I came into this um, whole idea of creating Passion Struck, I mean, Passion Struck wasn't even a name. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I had an inner voice calling me that, that there were so many people who were suffering out in the world who feel lonely, helpless, hopeless, and as I started to analyze it more, I came down to the ultimate feeling that people were feeling unmattering. they were feeling like they get up out of their out of their sheets in the bed in the morning and they feel like their life doesn't have significance and so for me, it was how do you influence that on scale and the only way that you can really do it is to put yourself out there i I could do a lot of individual coaching but i'm going to help the ones and twos and threes. Uh, And that was one of the things that drove me to do the podcast was Mm -hmm. because I had this mission and I wanted to get out to get it out there for more people. And so uh, my mission is to really teach people how to live intentionally. And I think the more you lean into that mission, whatever it is, uh, whatever the, the lane your show is in, that's one of the most fundamental uh, pieces of advice I will give is: once you find that lane, find that problem that only you can solve that you, that that you can help people overcome. Mm-hmm. Do everything around it, so you, you go into it thinking that it's going to become monotonous, but it it doesn't. You end up asking things in a way that goes into the lens, but you're not duplicating yourself, unless you're one of those shows where people come on and you ask them the same 10 or 15 questions. But what it does for me, Rob, is if you're on 10 different podcasts, your interview with me is going to be completely different than the rest of them because I'm going to interview you through the lens that I want my audience um, or my audience knows I'm going to curate because that's what they're coming to the show to hear.
0: Yeah, and I know that you have that that mission that you have is actually written on your, on your website. So you, you're publicly putting it out there and it says your, um you know, your mission in the world where every individual not only lives more profoundly, but also evolves into the best possible version of themselves. And I really um, lo- love that. And so how has that mission translated into your connection with your community and maybe other activities that you have. I know you have a book and things like that. So are you taking that mission and extending it and giving your community a bigger purpose for being with
1: you? Yeah, I I think that's a great point, Rob. I, I think it's important to understand for me, passion struck. Isn't just a podcast. It's a movement towards self-discovery and meaningful existence. And Mm -hmm. so What I'm trying to do is to transform the listeners or viewers of my content Mm -hmm. from mere spectators to dynamic architects of their own stories. And what I really want is to ensure that they're not just seen in the world, but they're vibrantly living a life that truly reflects their innermost selves. And Mm -hmm. so it's important for me for them to be part of that community and feel like they're growing and as it's expanded, um, so is the calls I'm hearing from that audience that they want to learn more. So, you know, you mentioned the the, the book that's coming out. Um, here's, you know, this comes out February 6th, uh, Passion Struck. Yeah. And then from there, you know, we're also working on the Passion Struck University, a whole bunch of ebooks books and uh, potentially a TV channel in the future and other things just to get more of, the things that the community is asking for us to produce.
0: So when a, a podcaster gets going with this, um, you know, creating a show, I mean, it does. And I've been thinking about this too. A, a lot is that, you know, building other media, um, around your show books, building, you know, uh, like maybe, um, audio books, maybe doing other types of content is really, uh, a profound strategy now I know that not every show concept probably lends itself to that as easily as I think yours does. Um, but, you know, do you think that, you know, every show or most shows should have kind of like a mission statement of what they're trying to do with their community and then try and find ways to drive increased value to their their audience in other media?
1: To me, I think it's very important because it helps people who are searching for that need that you're trying to provide right. to find it. So I know even right now as I'm doing a book tour uh, and getting on podcasts, I'm very mindful about who is their community, what are they trying to serve, am I the right voice to be on it, and it's been a really interesting exercise as I've been looking at literally hundreds and hundreds of podcasts to understand you know, what people put in their description because I do think it matters. Um, and I don't think people understand how much these little things really matter, even down to your album, album cover that you use, the show music that you use, the cadence that you use, um, and, and how you're setting up and orchestrating your episodes. I have found it all matters immensely more than you would ever think, but it's, it's how it all kind of comes together, um, is where I think the magic happens.
0: Yeah. Are you, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of the tools that you're using to do what you're doing here, at least on the podcast side. Uh, are you getting involved in AI tools at all? Are you trying to take advantage of what's happening in the podcasting space or are you doing things how you like maybe always did uh, prior to the AI tools?
1: No, I'm definitely ex- experimenting with them. I mean, you and I have had some conversations yeah. on that. Um, you know it's difficult to produce show notes especially if you go to the show notes that I do they're pretty extensive ones and yeah. probably for the first 150 episodes that we did I did them um, I did every single one myself mm-hmm. and and that means you've got to go in there and do a ton of manual work so i love uh some of these tools that have come out whether it's capshow or swell or some of the others that at least give you a runway um to help you be able to do it more efficiently. Yeah. Now I still go into it and do a lot of changes to personalize it or, or now my staff does, but I, I definitely think that they're helpful. Um, I, I use all kinds of AI tools as well to look at, mm-hmm. you know, words for SEO and titles and, um, and how to best position you were asking me before about, uh, like guest and, how I'm looking at future episodes. Sometimes, you know, I'll even use AI to help me come up with themes that I want to do throughout the year that I might not put out to the community, but subliminally they're there because one of the things I have found, at least with my show is I like to teach people things in complete random order. Um, I don't like, like for instance, if, Mark Hyman is coming on the show. I don't want to do five episodes in a row on longevity and functional medicine.
0: Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. That makes I, I
1: really like to mix it up. I mean, I've just had an issue with this because there are like three or four books coming out right now that are all on this, and I'm like, it's great, but I yeah, you want to have five my books listening base, right. right? Yeah, it's it's but gets back to your point about if you go on five podcasts and you keep sharing the content, people are going to get bored if they keep hearing the same thing. So. I might do one of those in January. I've got Mark Hyman coming up at the end of January, funny enough, but I probably won't do another one on that topic for at least two to three months. So I spread them out.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting. You know, I know when I started many years ago, um, I did kind of like a, like a variety show where I would have like, I, I would have like three guests on my show every, every week, three different ones, but they would be shorter interviews. And so it would, uh, you know, it was really kind of kind of a variety show. And it's interesting that you talk about it in that regard, where your topics vary. And because there's also a lot of people that talk in the industry that well, you have to go niche and you have to niche down, right? And talk about kind of to, to some degree, this show is representative of that to some degree of of niching down, saying podcast tips, which is very specific, right? But passion struck. If you contrast that to that, is is not it's it's specific in a big way right versus specific in a very specific way um and that's you know it's passion around people's lives and what people do in their lives and that that opens the the gate to a lot of other types of content that you can you can put in there and a lot of podcasters once they niche down too much they run out of things to talk about cuz how many times can you talk about podcasting, right? <laughs> but I built yeah, a whole career talking about podcasting, but anyway, I
1: don't know what you thought. Well, about? I think it's I mean, I think it's a good point. I uh, I have some podcasters come to me and you know, it's almost as if they're jealous that I have such a large audience, so many downloads, and what I always tell them is, what is your purpose? Because just because you have a big community doesn't mean it's serving your underlying purpose. For instance, I have two friends of mine who've got a great show. They're in the gr- recruiting business. Um, it doesn't get nearly as many downloads, but their focus is on a certain geographical area. So they're already limited there. And then what they're really trying to use it for is a tool to keep people interested in using them to, to hire new employees uh, in their company. So they use it kind of as a lead generation tool. And also as a reward mechanism, mechanism, so that they can bring their clients on, and it serves value. So you really have to look at what the end goal is that you're doing uh, with the show. Um, and I, I see uh, Brooklyn there is making spaghetti bolognese, and that sounds really good at this moment, Rob. I don't know you. And and April, I I in April, I do know Forbes Riley very well, and in fact, her ex husband Tom Riley was standing in my. Uh, house about 20 minutes before we started uh this episode so oh small world
0: it is a small world that's for sure But no, she
1: is we we have talked for almost two years about having her on the show and she travels so much that it just uh has not come to fruition but her her kids and my kids are the same age oh interesting and and went to school together so yeah i know them very well So how
0: do you see the, the advertising side of, uh, podcasting right now? Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of consternation in the, in the medium right now around advertising. And so I I was just curious, I know you're, you're involved in that. And is it something that, uh, has gone smoothly, um, for you or where do you see the bumps in the road right now around sponsorship and advertising of your, of of your podcast and what you see kind of more broadly in the industry right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that's very important because it pays the bills. Um, Right. Right. um, I, I personally have seen a shift where a lot of the advertisers took uh, some moonshots on many podcasts and it didn't, uh, it didn't
0: work out
1: right <laughs> it didn't come to fruition um i mean they were laying out i wish i would have signed one of these deals a couple of years ago because some people really got paid some big dollars but i think it's made them unfortunately become a little bit more cautious mm-hmm. so what i've found is a lot of the brands are doing a lot more uh testing than than i would like to see them do i, I would like them to give me some more commitment early on Um, But a lot of them want to test you out two, three, four episodes, see how they do, and then go from there, which I I get. But from the podcaster standpoint, you want some certainty in your projections. But I think uh, for me, I've seen a lot of fluctuation in the CPMs, Um, especially I've seen them come down more than I've seen them come up for sure. And (laughs) and I'm still struggling with
0: campaigns too, right? Is that part of it? Yeah.
1: And I'm still struggling with the podcast hosting platforms and their programmatic programs because they significantly undercut the CPMs. I mean, dreadfully low. And to me, it it really is uh, frustrating because it undercuts everything that you're trying to do with host reds and your own uh, advertising campaigns and so i think um you know it's something i'm looking at quite closely right now is as i think about uh the future and and what i'm going to do
0: yeah i think that th- there is kind of some tension around that right right now and i agree with you i think that there is this feeling that um, you know people should go back to doing more hostries um because it's it better connects with audiences it has a better roi for the advertiser and the the podcaster gets paid better um by doing those kind of spots the 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 only challenges is that it takes more work right um for everyone yeah. to do those kind of campaigns and but yet they they are the most effective and they're really what built this industry from the standpoint of the advertising industry and and have you gotten pulled into this whole content moderation stuff with like a barometer or um, sounder or some of these where they're, they're evaluating your content for brand suitability and safety?
1: Um, so so I, I want to address what you were bringing up first. Um, oh,
0: Because yeah, I think fine. it's valuable. I, yeah, I, I asked a couple I, of questions. Like,
1: <laughs> the, first, the first 18 months of the podcast, I'd say 90% of my ads were host-read this past 18 right. months it's been all dai and i prefer the host red personally i mean we it's not it doesn't take us too much effort to insert them in into an episode that you're creating anyhow yeah. um and i like the stickiness of it but uh, i've seen a major pull away from that and i'm trying to get back to that uh for the very point that you make a higher roi on it and i think it's stickier Also, um, when the listeners hear it, rather than continuing to hear the same ad, you know, a hundred times in a month. Um, Now, I have purposefully been very conservative on the types of advertising that I allow on my platform. And and Rob, you probably remember that I don't allow political ads. I don't allow anything dealing with sexuality. I don't allow anything dealing with uh alcohol or drugs because I'm trying I've got people who, who are every age from high school students, you know, to their seventies and eighties listening to the show. Mm-hmm. And my whole purpose is I want to make it uh as fan friendly as I possibly can. So I haven't been moderated as much um, from that standpoint. I think I've been more moderated by some of the brands uh, that might not be in the epicenter of what my community is looking for mm-hmm. and trying to figure out if a company who sells marketing campaigns is going to do well on a health podcast as opposed to being on a business podcast or an entrepreneur podcast.
0: Yeah, there, there's magic when you have a, a advertiser or brand that just just like fits like a glove with the show, you know, that fits with the audience, fits with the, just kind of, yeah. And I used to do that with my own, my own radio show years ago too, is only find sponsors that really aligned with the message that I was delivering in my show. And, and it wasn't always, um, easy to do. And sometimes I took ads that, um, that, maybe I would have preferred not to play on my show, (laughs) but, um, but those were ads, um, that paid the bills sometimes. And you do have to kind of weigh those choices around, um, you know, revenue versus, um, what that message is. And it's a, sometimes it's a difficult balance, um, around that, especially during tough economic times. And I know that we're in that right now. We're, I'm sure there are many shows up there that are like, do I want to say no to that ad? You know, because I need the couple thousand dollars or $10,000 or whatever it is from that advertising campaign. Do I Keep turn it down? down. Or, right. Um, that's a, yeah, that's it, a tough thing.
1: It is. And and I feel like I'm a human Guinea pig because <laughs> since I'm in the health health space, everyone is trying to bring health products or new health products on the market. So I mean, it is fun because you get to try out nootropics and everything else, but I, I think I had my blood drawn 15 times last year because of all these <laughs> tests that some of these advertisers want you to do to t- test um, your mineral levels or your glucose levels or or your hormone levels, whatever it may be. So that gets 23 a little, and
0: me or something like that, right? Yeah, it gets, yeah. It
1: gets yeah. to be a little yeah. unfun after a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now rob i a topic I did want to explore with you is is sure. I've been on this tour of trying to get on um podcasts, which i I have to tell you um I thought was going to be a lot easier than than it has been, and so it's given me a lot better appreciation for authors who are trying to get their their books out there yeah. because I expected given the size of the show uh you know top point zero one percent top one hundred shows currently in the world, that it would have been pretty easy for me to get on comparable shows. And I have found it to be everything but. And one of the things that I'm leading to is a lot of the shows that I have tried to get on, when I finally get to a human being and talk, can talk to them, they go, yeah, we'll bring you on, but um, it's going to cost you anywhere from five to $30,000 to be on our show. And to me, I think it is just... It's something I have never done on my show. I I have never charged a person to date to be on it. And when I hear that that's their cost for producing a show, I know it's BS because I know how much mine costs unless they're paying astronomical fees. And so currently I I have turned down every single one because I would rather be on 20 small and medium shows than spend $10,000 for the chance to be on a big show because I, I I think sometimes those smaller shows can carry more weight for you when you're trying to push your personal brand or a book or something else than maybe some of these big shows. What, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, once we kind of moved into that era um, and increasingly it's been happening uh, it's kind of one of those things that happens in the, in the, the quiets of the medium um, people don't like to talk about it um, too much that shows are doing that, um, but it has been bubbling up, and I would think right now it's probably bubbling up a lot more than it maybe it did maybe a year ago because when when podcasters were able to make good money from advertising or, or sponsorships or those kind of things, they probably felt less of a need to do that um, but now they're trying to extract whatever value they can they can you know, do that from, and, and I don't think it's good ethics to do that. I, I, I think it compromises potentially the the quality of the show that you have. Um, so, you know, in, in the, the other question is, are these show hosts disclosing that they're doing this? Um, or is it kind of a backdoor deal? Um, and I, I think that's, that's, that's a little bit of an ethical question because now you're, you're paying for placement. Um, and is it really true content or is it an ad? Um, I guess it gets back to the values of the, of the host and the guest, right. Of what they do on the show. Um, but it's, it's still a little, you know, it doesn't feel quite right. Does it to you?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I, I get asked all the time. Um, to have the uh, we want the CEO or the CMO or you name it of our company yeah, to come yeah. on your podcast and pontificate about this product and um i mean to date i've i've turned them all down or said if they do come on i want a sponsorship promoting the episode but i mean that would be a case in the future that maybe you could look at that dollar figure but to me it's a hard uh, line to cross um yeah and is- and I see Allison Jordan is asking a question about sponsorship yeah. and no one wants to give money to mental health. Um, I, 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 I guess I would ask Allison how is she going about finding her sponsors? Is she using a third party to help her do it? Is she trying to do it on her own? Because although I wouldn't say that uh, we are a hundred percent a mental health podcast, passion struck. Yeah. I mean, we have a ton of mental health providers who come on the show, whether it's uh psychologist, psychiatrists, behavior scientists in, in that whole realm of people getting to grips with adversity and achieving better mental health. And I haven't found that as uh, an, an issue. Uh, you know, I've had better help and a bunch of others sponsored oh. the show in the past. So uh, I, I, you know, I would need to know more in her specific case. Um, okay, she uses a third-party mental health professionals. Um, I would just tell you to, to keep searching for a partner who understands what your brand is and is going to give you help, Allison, to understand maybe how you need to cultivate whatever message it is in a, in a way that differentiates you so that they can bring more sponsors in. Uh, I mean, I'm constantly evaluating my ad partners, um, is, as well. And I can understand what you mean. Cause it is frustrating right now, um, that, uh, I think a lot of shows aren't getting as much attention as they would. And it sounds like you've got, uh, um, a good show that's helping a lot of people and has a sizable, uh, yeah. a sizable following and
0: and also there's a factor here too is that a lot of these big brands are are buying fewer shows um just in a general sense uh especially on these direct sponsorship type of deals I mean you have to have a certain size of audience, you have to have a certain kind of um kind of awareness in in the industry and having like maybe a good ad representative agency that's working with you but in order to even get in the door with that um, takes a certain level of performance that you can prove to them. Um, it's, you, a, it's a complicated game right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about uh, going to like podcast movement where I know a lot of advertisers or the representatives who represent the advertisers go? Do you think I typically have not gone because my ad agency is there meeting with all of them? Do you think it's beneficial if a guest, if the host of a show, Goes to those things and is actually meeting with some of these brands face to face, so that they can put more of a, a face behind the name.
0: Well, I think if you can arrange to join your representatives um, in in meetings and group meetings with um, advertisers or agencies, um, that that may help a little bit, uh, where they can ask questions of of you, and and you can ask questions of them. Uh, and you can um, learn from that. Uh, I think that's always helpful, and I do think that that happens. Um, and I think you know, especially if you, it might be helpful for you in part of your ongoing evaluation of your representatives <laughs> and what they're saying about you. And it it gives you a, a a voice at the table. I guess at this point would be the way yes. I think about it. Yeah.
1: And and I see Ryan Carmichael asked a question, how do you handle guest behavior on camera? I, I have never had an issue with that. However, Rob, I was just on a podcast the other week, and it was a pretty sizable show. And the entire time, the guy's drinking beers and talking about his <laughs> his terrible drinking habits. Right. And I was, I was actually just shocked um, being a guest on the show. But no, I've never had a behavior issue, but I perhaps... I am hand selecting every guest who comes on the show, and so I don't think I am would ever put on a guest that would have that type of issue. And if I did have that going on in the show, I probably would stop the show or just decide not to to air the show. Yeah, uh, because I have too many great people who want to come on the show who aren't going to display that type of behavior.
0: Yeah, yeah, and. You know, there's some other guests and podcasters out there that are not setting a good example, right? Like a, like a Joe Rogan or whatever, you know, you know, smoking marijuana during their show and drinking alcohol and stuff isn't exactly sending the best example um, out there um, for other podcasters um, because then they're going to be, you know, faced with potentially facing those type of situations, and it may be seen as you know the cool thing to do, right? When it you know for a lot of shows it's probably not a cool thing to do, and yours would be one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I I mean I don't even typically do profanity on the show, and I don't yeah. mind swearing. But again, it's I have people who are I have parents who are listening to this in their cars. Right. I have right. youngsters right. who listen to the episodes. You know, I I do interview some kids on the show, so right. I try to. If I had a different type of show that I was doing, maybe a sports talk show, or I'm doing Emily Morse's show on, uh, you know, sex, et cetera. It's a completely different yeah. ball game uh, on what you're doing, but you've got to really curate the show to the people that you want to come on. And the second to me, it's if you start dropping F bombs on a show like mine, or you start letting some of the stuff in, you are going to turn off a whole bunch of. Of yeah. listeners, so I would rather turn off a smaller set who might want to hear that stuff, um, and try to to take it to a higher level because I think that way I'm keeping a much broader audience engaged.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's walking a line um, that's also re- reflective of your audience and who you're trying to appeal and what your mission is. If your mission is Push, pushing and encouraging positivity. I don't think you want to bring that negative energy into your your program because that that could spoil the whole purpose of what you're trying to do. And so it's about alignment. You know, you you, you look at like a Joe Rogan podcast or one of those, and they kind of have a you know a different um, ethic going on there, right? Than than a different show. So it, it just needs to align with your program and what you're trying to do. And the kind of community you want to build, I think, is it's the right choice. John, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I think April April said it very well. We attract who we are. So be the example that you want to attract, I think, is right. a very good thing. And I mean, the most common thing that I get from my community is, do I live what I pontificate? And the answer is yes, because if, if I didn't, I wouldn't be authentic in talking about it. Right. And, and that's right. something that's a huge thing for me is, you know, if you're in the self-improvement space and you're talking all this stuff and you're doing 180 degrees differently, then what example at all is that setting? So um, do I do everything? No, because I'm a human being, but I, I mean, I try to emulate everything I say and in some of it um, I'm better at than, than others, but I'm constantly trying to get better.
0: Right. And, and bringing on that kind of content is not <clears throat> helping you get better <laughs> typically yes. probably so so I, uh, it looks like we do have a question um how do i bookmark spots on the video while i'm live streaming so th- there is a, a a key that you can hit on your keyboard i don't actually do it myself so i'm not an, an active expert at it but i i i believe it's like a uh, control b or something like that and it'll set a marker in the live stream in the back end um to to help you, um, you know, mark where you might want to cut this for a short clip of sorts, and that's really kind of the purpose of it. But, but John, I think we're getting towards the end here, and I know everybody is probably getting getting a little antsy um, about getting that uh, sweatshirt and that mug.
1: <laughs> okay. Hey, so, can I can I can I an- can I get you to answer one question though, if you know it, Rob? Do. Because please it's please actually please a question do. that I'm wondering: Can Streamyard? broadcast to Instagram yet because I've been looking for a platform to do Instagram lives on.
0: Yes. Um, but that relationship is still evolving and improving. So that API relationship with uh, the Instagram folks is, is available, uh, through Streamyard. getting it set up and getting it working properly is still a little bit, uh, buggy. So, you know, I've been trying to do it with this show too, and it hasn't, hasn't quite worked yet. (laughs)
1: So, okay.
0: Um, so it's, it, it's really a matter of just kind of, um, having a little patience with it, but I think that's coming. And I think it will be a reliable place to push this out to not on like a LinkedIn or a, or a X or a, a Facebook. Um, so that's, that's definitely on the roadmap and the company's working on that. And there, there's other platforms too, that are probably on the horizon that we're going to be able to push to live as well. Um, and it gets you know, to some degree, it gets back to, well, how many platforms do we need to push? To? <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's definitely something that's, that that's coming. And I think it's an important platform, uh, for, for a lot of people. It maybe is a little bit, um, not intuitive to think it, it's kind of like streaming live to TikTok, right? It's some people can do that now if you have a specific account with them, um, which is, I guess, somewhat hard to get right now. So, but all these things will get easier over time as technology. And that's kind of how it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing: I'm I'm glad to see StreamYard did is give you the ability to put a custom background in, um, yeah. which Zoom was the only one was who was allowing you to do it because it's something I personally use all the time.
0: Yeah, and a lot of this, you know, be, being able to bring in comments from you know, w- we recently added the ability to bring in comments from Twitter or X um as well so that is a new addition to the 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 lineup here but um having that ability of doing what i've been doing during this whole show is is something that i really like about this program too it can be a little distracting to manage as well as do the show at the same time so doing a live show is quite different than doing doing a, a regular podcast right um it it has a different kind of dynamic to it. And I've always enjoyed that live part because I, I came out of live radio. So it it, it was just kind of a multitasking kind of thing. And I've been doing a live show for many years myself um, with my co-host Todd Cochran with the new media show. And, but we didn't have this ability to bring in external comments like, like this. Um, I'm trying to read this one from April says to, to the question from YouTube, when, you have a moment that you would like to return to simply press the B button. Right. The key, the B key. Right. And, and, and add a marker B that stands for a, for bookmark. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what you do. Thank you, April. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think here, is there something? Yeah, we, we've had a bunch of other comments coming to Stephen writes. Merriam-Webster word of the year for 2023 is authentic.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, I, I just want to, and I just want to touch on that um, because I, I, I'll t- I have to tell you, Rob, when I first started, I fell in the trap of I was listening to literally hundreds of different podcasters because I was trying to, to figure out styles and what people are doing well and what they weren't. And I had some podcasters who I thought were doing it better than others. And when I first started it, I was really. Uh, Emulating the way that they did their show, and probably three four months into it, I just came to the the realization that a person doesn't come to Rob Greenley's show because John Miles is on it, they come because they like Rob greenley, and yeah the and you've got to double down on that, so if you're not being authentic, the audience is gonna know it, so that that's one of the the biggest things you got to do is just be yourself and double down on it because. Ultimately that's why people come to your show is because they like the host.
0: Yeah, right. It, it, exactly. And the guests are additive to that. And I know I've been saying that for, for a long time. And and I think for for a long time though, people said that, you know, it was all about the guests and all this kind of stuff like that. And I know that your your program is is, you know, it's weighted pretty heavily toward the guests too. But I also think that, you know, you built this mission and this foundation for um, for what you're trying to do too. And that keeps the focus on the, the values and the message that you have as well. And I'm, you know, you, you also deliver that through your show as well. And I think that's, that's a powerful piece of your success is that authenticity and that consistency of your values in your show that attracts people that want to, want to experience something positive in this world. And I think that's, that's the other value that you have. And that's what I try and bring to this show too, is just being positive and trying to look at the, the upside of everything and trying to learn, always learn and learning is, is part of being authentic too, is not, not, not being so arrogant or, or know it all or something like that. Cause I, I don't know it all and I'm always learning even though I've been doing this for 20 years, that that doesn't mean that I know everything and I can learn from you, John. Um, You're out there in the trenches doing it. I haven't been as much out in the trenches. It's only been the last six or seven months that I've been, you know, like doing content for StreamYard. And now granted I've been doing this new media show, but that, that is quite different than the life that you lead with your show. Um, That is, I just show up and do it live and, move on with my day. (laughs) So, so that's, you know, we haven't done all this other stuff that we've been talking about on the show. Um, So that's, what's been important for me to try and learn this too. Um, So I appreciate you, John, for being here and, and helping me learn too. And, and I know we've known each other for, for quite a while and I've, I've been a guest on your show in the past and, and that was a terrific experience. And, and I still see that, that YouTube video. If you wanted to go see our interview along, I think it was like maybe two or three years ago or something like that. Um, but, but it's done well on YouTube. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our numbers on, on YouTube together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank Thank you, Katie Shinnakis for, uh, hooking us up.
0: Yeah. Back when. Yeah, that, that, that is true. And then, uh, April has a comment in here. um, authenticity simply means b- uh, believing the words that come out of our mouths um it doesn't mean that we're always telling the truth um that's true authenticity doesn't always have to equate to truth um it just it's it's more of an emotional uh feeling about about another person um and so let's see if we have any other comments that are interesting um Thank you for that. And so I think what we're going to do now is um, move on to the um, the drawing. I think we're well into the episode now. I think we covered a lot of the questions and and I think that those last couple of ones that we had were really, really good. So let's go ahead and pull up the, the drawing for the StreamYard um, mug and sweatshirt. Um, I don't know that. Everybody has seen that, but let's go ahead and um, let's see how many entries we have right now. Let's see, we're up to 36 entries right now. So go ahead and enter the yard into the comment field if you have not done that yet. And you will be entered into the drawing to get a shipment from StreamYard with a couple of uh, swag gifts. So go ahead and here in the next couple seconds here, go ahead and... um, Type that in. Okay, I see. Allison got hers in, um, and it looks like Allison is following me. Thank you so much. And I think we're up to let's see here, thirty six now. So I think I'm just going to have to pull the the draw cord here and um, find out who our winner is. All right, RC Nito, thank you so much for entering the, uh, the drawing here at the end of the show. Um, send me an email, uh, and I will put that up on the screen here with your, um, your address. And your uh, sweatshirt size, too, if, it, if it's a large, medium, wh- whatever that might be. And we'll get that sent out to you. So it's at rob.greenly at gmail.com. Send me your address, your mailing address, and any of the comments that you have about the show. Or I would love to hear your your thoughts about uh, what we talked about today. And maybe a topic that you would have an interest in uh, hearing in the future. And I would definitely like to hear from everybody if you want to send me a comment or a question or something like that, that I can address in the in next week's show, that'd be fantastic because my, my plan for next week is to uh, just do a solo show. So it'll just be myself. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to be here taking your questions and talking about some key tips to podcasting before I get back to bringing guests again. I, I was wanting to kind of create a, a few episodes with guests and then create a few episodes with me just doing the solo show and I'll I'll come up with a topic, but also you know, it's really going to be important that you get in there and, and ask ask questions and let's let's really kind of get practical with all of this too and and try and help you become a better podcaster. So John, thank you so much for for joining me and being here. Um I appreciate it so much. Thank you.
1: Yeah, my my, my pleasure, Rob, and thank you, audience, for all the great questions and for staying with us the whole time. Appreciate it. it
0: yeah, so the best way for for a, a viewer of this to keep track of you and your podcast is to go to your website, right, PassionStruck?
1: Yeah, okay. passionstruck.com. And if you are interested in ordering the book, it comes out February 6th. But if you do it right now, before it comes out, I have curated some incredible bonus gifts that uh, you will get if you, if you buy it on Amazon and then come to my website and uh, put the information in. But thank you for having me, Rob.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for all the all, all the terrific insights. It's always interesting to talk to you and learn from from your experiences out there because um, it, it's an ever changing landscape of what's happening out there and what's working and what's not working. And I, I just appreciate you being so open about it too. So, thank you so much. So. Thank you, um, everybody that's joined the the stream. I know people come and go on these um, streams, so if you're watching this on on demand, I, I will be back with a solo episode next week, next Thursday uh, at seven p.m. Eastern, uh, four uh, p.m. Pacific, um, and that'll be a different experience for you um, because I've usually had a guest on. So, so <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much, and uh, let me uh, exit the the show a little bit here and um, I hope you have a wonderful um, rest of your evening and um, good luck podcasting out there. So let's,